In this episode of Info Product Mastery, we'll discuss how to market as a programmer, the mistakes made when marketing info products, and strategies for marketing to a tech audience. This is Info Product Mastery, episode 16. Welcome to Info Product Mastery, the podcast that helps developers make life-changing money by building and selling online courses. I'm your host, Adrian Rosebrock. Before we dive into today's episode, I want to share a podcast review I received from Paul Zakopoulos, Vice President of IBM in the Technology Group. Paul writes, loving, loving, loving the new Adrian Rosebrock podcast. I met Adrian as the brilliant founder and content creator of PyImage Search. My entire career pivoted when I stumbled across him on a Google search, and he started and supported my journey to AI. This new podcast is about entrepreneurship content creation and how to create a job out of it. Developers, practitioners, it's all waiting for you in the information economy. Well, well worth your time. I'm subscribed. Check it out. Thanks so much for the kind words, Paul. And I've known Paul, let's see, for for about five years now. Our relationship started when he stumbled across Pymage Search, purchased a few of our books and courses, then emailed in with a few questions. From there, we kept in contact, and now we shared some really kind words about the Info Product Mastery podcast. I wanted to share this specific review because I think it just shows you how life can be changed by educating others. Paul and I would have never met had I not started PyMage Search, and more importantly, had the courage and the tenacity just to keep at it day after day. You can meet some truly amazing people by putting yourself out there, and yeah, that does take a bit of determination and fortitude, but wow, it can really pay off in the long run, not only financially, but in terms of the relationships you build. I'm truly grateful for all the relationships I formed while running PyMage Search, and I'm even more excited to see what relationships come from running this podcast. So hey, if you want to get in contact with me, send me an email or use my contact form on the website. I look forward to starting a relationship together. And if you would like me to read your review here on the show, just open Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review with a comment. I'll be sure to read the comment here. Today's episode is inspired from a post on the startup subreddit. Every week, there is this Feedback Fridays thread where people can share what they are working on and request feedback. Now, I don't normally hang out on Reddit, but I was online that Friday and reading through some comments, and I came across Nina, a programmer and startup founder who shared their startup, devaviary.com, which is a set of online in-browser cybersecurity courses where you get practical hands-on experience. I shared some initial feedback on their site, predominantly on their copywriting and email opt-ins, and that blossomed into this larger conversation. Since Nina's questions were applicable to a broader audience, I decided to answer three of them directly here on the show. Let's dive in. First question. Nina asks, how did you learn all this as a programmer? I feel comfortable in the dev field, but pretty lost when it comes to the marketing and people side of things. I've been reading every article and course I can to catch up on things, but I found the field of sales and marketing intractable. It's clear that you are now an expert on both tech and marketing, so I'm curious to learn more about your journey. Well, first, thank you for the for the kind words. And I don't know if I would call myself an expert in either development or marketing, but I've certainly spent a good amount of time in both. And I've learned through experience of being in the trenches of what works and what doesn't. To start, to learn sales and marketing and running a business, you got to get out of your comfort zone. You're not going to get there by writing more code. And writing more code isn't going to make you a better marketer. The only way to become a better marketer is to actually do it. 
Secondly, there's a lot of noise in the sales and marketing space, and the majority of what you hear is going to fall into one of two buckets. The first, either the person is just bragging about what they've accomplished, or two, it's marketing that's designed to help get you excited, to get you hyped, to join an email list, and then be sold some product that doesn't actually solve what you need to learn. While the proliferation of social media has made us all well-connected, it's unfortunately allowed some people sharing advice to build really large audiences. So instead, what you need to do is just focus on the basics. And it's hard to get any more basic than copywriting. Copywriting is the key to success in an online business, and it can be applied to sales pages, emails, email campaigns, ads, you name it. Instead, what you need to do is focus on the basics, and it's hard to get any more basic than copywriting. Copywriting is the key to success in an online business. It can be applied to sales pages, email campaigns, ads, you name it. And more importantly, writing copy helps you get into your customer's shoes, which requires empathy. You cannot, and I want to underline this point, you cannot build a successful business without some level of empathy for your customer. You need to understand what makes them tick, what motivates them, what their fears are. Learning how to write good copy addresses those issues and then empowers your customers to see how they can succeed with your product. I suggest going back to episode 15, where I discuss three resources I personally use to successfully learn copywriting and marketing as a developer and programmer. I kept that list at only three resources for a reason, and that's because there's just so much noise online. There's so much stuff that you can actually learn about marketing and copywriting that becomes overwhelming. You get in this analysis paralysis mode. So instead, what you need to do is focus on the fundamentals, and those three resources are what you need to get you started and to make you dangerous as a copywriting and marketer. Second question from Nina, what specific mistakes, if any, did you make in marketing your products, and how did you realize they were mistakes? Was there anything during your journey that you would have done differently given what you know now? That's a really good question to ask, and also say, if you haven't made any mistakes as a marketer or a business owner, you're not trying hard enough, you're not taking enough risks, and you're, you're just honestly living in your comfort zone way too much. I mean, I've made countless mistakes running Pioneer Search, and some of them were happy accidents, like a Bob Ross-style happy accident of, oh, I made this mistake and it actually turned out better than I thought it would. That's natural. You should be pushing yourself. You should be making some mistakes along the way. But I think if you want to talk about mistakes early on, I think the biggest issue I had in the early days was trying to sell on features rather than transformation. My very first book, Practical Python and OpenCV, taught developers and students the basics of the OpenCV library and the Python programming language. It was a great little book and compact and to the point. But early iterations of the sales page focused on the features of the book, such as the table of contents, chapter previews, and example screenshots of what the customer would learn how to build if they purchased a copy. Well, that was fine to start, but that's just selling on features. A feature is something like this book has 27 chapters. It includes source code files and also includes this pre-configured virtual machine or Docker instance so you can skip configuring your development environment. That's all fine and good, but we're just stating facts. And facts don't make sales because there's no emotion in them. Instead, what I needed to do was sell on the transformation because it is within the transformation that emotion and empathy come into play. For example, a student who bought my book could successfully complete their final graduation project, be successful in their coursework, and get hired faster than their peers to a higher paying job right out of college. A developer who bought my book could get up to speed with OpenCV quickly, 
finish their work project, impress their boss and stakeholders, be trusted with more advanced projects, and hey, be on the fast track to a raise. Or let's consider a researcher who would pick up a copy of Practical Python and OpenCV. Well, a researcher would already understand the theory behind computer vision, but would struggle with the implementation side of things. Therefore, a researcher could use the book to take their ideas, iterate them faster, get results, and publish papers faster than their peers. All of these are examples of transformation. The customer is sitting at the starting line and envisioning themselves at the finish line, crossing and grabbing that checkered flag. When you get people envisioning themselves, emotion just naturally occurs. They get the warm fuzzies about how successful feel, how amazing it'll be to graduate ahead of their class, be promoted before their peers, or publish groundbreaking research before anyone else. That is the emotion. That is what makes your sale. So your goal in marketing your product is less about the features and more so about the transformation process. If you can demonstrate to your potential customers that you have this proven path that will guide them down the road of transformation, you'll make more sales. So that raises the question, how do you demonstrate this proven path? Well, to start, outline the process. Programmers and developers are logical, so make it linear from A to B and actually show the steps if you can. Perhaps you could convey this with a flowchart or a timeline or, or some image like that. Anything that just conveys that you have a path that they can follow. Next, if you have any testimonials, case studies, tweets, LinkedIn posts, or any other social proof, include that in your marketing message. Notice how at the beginning of this podcast, I included a testimonial of the show, and that is done to build credibility. It demonstrates that people trust what I have to say about info products. The same is true for your own niche. Make sure your potential customers see that other people have followed the same path and have been successful in doing so. And finally, be a guiding hand. Most people don't want teachers. They want mentors. Mentors show you the way and they illuminate the path. Mentors provide a guiding hand and mentors are there for you when you stumble. You could provide some sort of support for your customers and say something like, if you have any questions while going through the content, just let me know. I'm only an email away and I'm happy to help. Be friendly and don't be a superior know-it-all because quite frankly, you don't. And more importantly, your customers can sniff that out. You're going to learn a lot more from your customers as you build your info product business if you're humble. Act as if you and your customers are on the same level that everyone is here to help each other along the way. That builds reciprocity and that mentality is super important when you, when you think of these super customers who whenever you release a new product are the first to pull out their wallets and say, shut up and take my money because they just think your product is that good. So that reciprocity, it's super important. Make sure you're interacting with your customers. Make sure they feel like peers to you, but also have a little bit of that mentor mentorship attitude. Let them know that they're not alone and that you're there to help them. Third question from Nina. What strategies did you use to market to a tech audience? I'm assuming no ads, since according to most articles, the majority of tech people block ads, and I personally don't know a single programmer who doesn't, or maybe you had a different experience. So did you focus on SEO, organic social media, sponsorships, cold outreach, or whatever? Did you already have a following that you could tap into? And how did you validate all these channels and figure out which to tap into? Well, I did not have a following when I started PyImage Search. Literally started that from the ground and bootstrapped it into what it was. So it's proof it is possible. It's challenging, don't get me wrong, but there are a few things I'm gonna share right off the bat here. I disagree with the statement that the majority of tech people block ads. Yes, some undoubtedly do, and perhaps more people in the tech industry block ads than non-tech industry people. But 
I'm not sure about saying the majority of people. Secondly, if you've never met a programmer who doesn't block ads, then I guess I'm the first. I don't block ads, and maybe that's because I genuinely enjoy looking at marketing techniques and copy, and I treat them as inspiration. You know, I'm not thinking in the back of my head like, oh, they want me to buy this product. I'm analyzing it. I'm thinking in my head, pulling out the good pieces. I'm getting inspired and seeing how I could take what they've done and apply it to my own business. When I ran PyMage Search, we used to run a good amount of Facebook ads to promote our sales, particularly big ones like Black Friday and Cyber Monday. There were days where we could spend a few thousand dollars per day on ads, and we made a significant return on that. That said, all of those ads were retargeting ads. People came to the PyMage Search site, they were cookied, and when they went back to Facebook, they saw ads for our products. Nearly every experiment we ran pushing ads to cold audiences that didn't already know us or have heard of me or heard of the business, they just failed and they were super expensive to run. They didn't convert well. So if you're going to run ads, especially in the early days, start with retargeting. They are cheaper to run and you'll likely have a higher conversion rate. I'll also say that SEO, search engine optimization, that was the number one driver of our traffic and is true for many info products. Pinebridge Search became a top 30,000 website online because of our SEO. And we didn't do anything special or black hat. We just wrote quality content and published it. Yeah, there was a bit of keyword research going on, but it was only for the title of the post, the H1 tags, and the URL. That's it. Google's algorithms are pretty good and they do a decent job sniffing out keyword stuffing and paid backlinks and paid guest posts. So what you need to do is publish quality content that people will actually stick around and read. The stick around and read part is super important here. And I want to like bold and underline and italicize and highlight that point. Google is measuring how long you spend on a web page. And the longer you stay, the more important and therefore higher quality Google views your content. So the longer someone's on your web page, Google thinks, oh, this is good content. They're going to bubble you up further in the search results, of course, provided you have a number of backlinks bringing people back to that, that page. You need your backlinks to demonstrate authority. The time on page is not alone enough. You need both of them together. But when you have both of them working together, you're naturally going to start appearing in the top search results. And that's what happened with PyImage Search, which brings me to tell you, like, write your content for people. Don't write it for machines. Don't write it for Google's algorithm. Because while Google's algorithm is certainly not a human, it does get better. And it is getting better at modeling what a human is when they're reading through that content. So if you purposely make your content about what humans want to read and get value out of, Google naturally is going to see that and you're going to have better results. I also say you should target keywords that you can actually rank for. This is especially important in the early days when you don't have a high domain rank for your website. You want to target long tail keywords. And I did this all the time with PyMage Search. I would go through the OpenCV documentation and I would find functions and methods that had very little documentation and then I would Google them. And if I found people asking questions about that specific function or method on forums or subreddits or LinkedIn messages or posts, and I knew there was interest in that specific topic. I would also use SEO tools like hrefs.com to do research on keywords that had high traffic but low competition. The more signals I found, the more likely I was to write a blog post on a specific topic. And yet, SEO, it takes time, but it's so powerful of an engine once it gets going because it's just free traffic. And it's targeted traffic because if someone goes to Google and types in a keyword and Google puts it you in the number one search result, that's likely a very targeted match. And that person will be interested in whatever it is that you're talking about. 
I'll end this question by saying that social media, I don't know, I just don't think it is as important as you think it is. Likes and comments do not correlate to sales. They are a good way to measure interest in a particular topic, but just because you get a large number of likes or comments on a post doesn't mean you're going to make more sales. It just doesn't work like that. You should use social media to help you build an email list or to validate a specific topic you may consider writing a blog post on. But don't be surprised when you just see email beat the pants out of social media when it comes to subscriber to customer conversion rates. Yeah, there certainly are exceptions. It's not you know, the de facto rule, but in general, you should expect email to convert better. But with that said, go back and listen to episode 14 where I chat with Avery Smith about validating ideas over LinkedIn and building an audience there. As far as social media goes, LinkedIn tends to perform a bit better in terms of quality audience building, predominantly because people on LinkedIn are professionals and they are more likely to spend money on an education product that will help their career versus someone who is just sitting on the toilet, doom scrolling through Instagram or Twitter. So I hope this episode helped you a bit understand marketing info products. If you have your own tips and techniques for marketing, be sure to send me a message. I'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions about this episode or suggestions for future episodes, send me an email at questions at infoproductmastery.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star rating in whatever podcatcher app you use, whether it's Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, or Spotify. Not only do these reviews help motivate me to create new episodes, but they also help other developers, educators, and entrepreneurs find the show. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time.